Ladies and gentlemen, people of all gender expressions, thank you for checking out the North Bank Media Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Strevens. Joining me on the show this afternoon was Mr. Brandon Carble. He is president and CEO and a founding member of Weatherskin Coatings. So Weatherskin Coatings is a small company with a pretty gigantic uh, line of offerings and products that they produce and distribute. So when I say coatings, I'm talking largely about sort of liquid and polymer uh, solutions that are applied to buildings uh, in various states of construction, whether that's uh, the waterproof membrane for a wall and the, or a roof, fireproof membranes, um, tank coatings, uh, epoxy finish for concrete surfaces. Um, truly, I would say if you need to coat something, a weather skin could probably uh, provide what you need uh, to do that. So you know, I would say if trades and construction is not really your your foremost interest, uh, persevere through this one uh, because the second half is is full of gold nuggets. I would say as far as wisdom and 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 mindset, really for for any entrepreneur or any person really going through going through life, going through a career. Um, and I think it's where this show really hopes to go uh, in the future or, you know, going forward where we, we can really understand someone's uh, motivations and their interests uh, through the business and the brand they're building and then get into their their why and their mindset. So, um, again, a lot to learn in the front and back half of this conversation. I, I definitely did as well. Um, our third entrepreneur based out of Calgary in a row. So that's interesting, but happy to talk to people from all walks of life, all parts of the province, and hopefully all parts of the world as well. So um, please enjoy this one. A great one. Brandon shared a lot, a lot, maybe take notes like I did, um, but yeah, enjoy it either way. This is a conversation with the president and CEO of Weatherskin Coatings, Mr. Brandon Carble. Brandon Carble, thank you for coming on to the North Bank Media Podcast. It's uh, great to see you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I, well, hey, you're you're more than welcome. I would say it was you guys that reached out to me, so that means a lot. So I'm I'm glad this podcast is getting some traction. Yeah, absolutely. No, Darina has been uh, she's been working on getting us the proper PR and mm-hmm. uh, and advertising, and you know, talking to people can just be the best best form of sometimes and we love doing it so absolutely well i want to hear all about that and sort of your approach to how you market yourself but i wanted to kick off with this let's say i'm a decision maker with a big general contractor and you've got me trapped in an elevator uh for a minute what what is kind of that elevator pitch or that unique sort of pitch that you give about weather skin and why why it should be you guys well weather skin offers superior uh eco-friendly products to the marketplace, the construction marketplace. Um, we produce coatings of all sorts, um, from waterproofing to uh, finished coatings. And we're made locally in Canada, so our supply chain is very healthy. And you know, we are all about finding solutions to problems and products that protect, you know, not only the clients, but the the building that they're on and the, the, the environment that they're using as well as the applicator that is weather skin in a nutshell weather skin in a nutshell well hey love to hear it do you do you find that 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 this you've sort of satisfied a need in the is it is it that you offer such a wide array or is it that local 
a production that like what is it that's really kind of been successful for you or driven your success it's uh it's both you know you you see a lot of companies and, and so our marketplace is uh predominantly coatings so paints and, and membranes and waterproofing yep. um in the construction larger construction market um and where building codes have been going where where uh tolerances have been been increased is on the environmental effect of these right. products right. and we've noticed that no no brands they all have seem to have sustainability statements hmm. um, yet uh, they don't have that through their entire line hmm. you know they you can't uh, go to a website and rely on all their products to fit uh, the new eco standards that have been established in the market so we're trying to get ahead of that. We know where these building codes and these um, these tolerances and governances are are headed. Mm. Um, so we're always trying to stay ahead of that and offer the cleanest uh, chemistry to the market that we can. And then absolutely being Canadian made and manufactured, not not only for lead times and mm. um, you know chip ch- cheaper shipping, um, but it's. It's quality people trust. Right. They're Canadian-made products. Um, you know, we follow an ISO program. We follow very strict regulations when it comes to the manufacturing process, and we we deliver. We we deliver the quality products uh, in a timely fashion, which right now is something that a lot of entities are struggling with. Right. You know, if you're Depending on uh, raw goods coming out of the southern U.S., um, you know, there was a huge shortage after that freeze in Texas uh, that froze up about a seven-year supply of of resins and raw goods. And, um, you know, luckily we've been healthy. Our supply chains have been healthy. So I'd say it's a combo. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Well, that's, I mean, that's very timely for you because the the so-called supply chain chaos is is a very current thing and it's it's something that the average person is now starting to pay attention to and you guys i guess are independent of that or you're flying above it so to speak yeah i mean we had um we i guess call it an opportunity we looked at it as an opportunity to uh say hey we don't want to be restricted here we want to have optionality um we're not bound by any contractual agreements to be buying from one certain supplier. So we started to to look at uh, who does what outside of the normal raw goods suppliers too. You know, what other industries have these kind of raw goods? Mm. Um, so we expanded our library of providers where a lot of people um, and a lot of entities, did, they didn't do that. They, uh, you know, they, they decided to wait, wait for... Mm the supply to come back and and face the shortage issues so no we um you know you can look at it as a problem or a challenge Mm -hmm. so we we tend to see all of these things as challenges within our company and um you know they don't become stressful they become fun to solve at that juncture (laughs) right on and that as i understand that's kind of your personal ethic that must filter down to your employees right that idea of of problem or i should say solution oriented and and seeing it as a challenge rather than oh you know scarcity mindset we're fucked here yeah absolutely i i don't want to see uh 
you know, any issue that we face as a company fall on the shoulders of one individual in my company. Mm-hmm. We are we are a team. We are a family. So we solve these things together, and it, and it's no responsibility of of one person. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in that way, well, I think we divert a lot of workplace stress. You know, we can make problem solving fun. Uh, enjoyable um, when we're when we're just tackling a challenge rather than you know uh, solve this or your jobs on the line kind of <laughs> mentality mm-hmm. um, and we find that we get to solutions better uh, and faster uh, working that way so, mm-hmm. so yeah it is it's something that I learned um, working in construction and, and working with laborers and and uh, in how to communicate with them and how to figure out how that individual solves problems. It's going to be sometimes very different than I do. Mm. Um, but once you can, can learn that and, uh, and kind of uh, uh, nurture it, you know, and, and, and that then, then they can maybe see aspects that you don't see, you know, right. yes. they can bring up, bring up things that you're not uh you're not aware of because of the different uh, problem solving styles so figuring out how how everybody works on this team and getting everybody's insight and treating it as equal insight is, is really important for for weather how many uh employees in your company how big is this so we've got i mean in our corporate office we've got eight in our manufacturing entity we have about the same okay uh, we are currently at a juncture where we're doing quite a a large expansion so this has been five years of of laying a really good groundwork and Mm -hmm. foundation um doing a lot of uh field examples paying a lot of um Mm -hmm. extra attention and 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 funding towards certifications and, and product testing um and now we are at a Series A funding round, so we're okay. we're in the midst of that, and we're doing a large expansion of both the brand, the product lines, and then uh, physical assets and people. So that's exciting, man! Congrats! <laughs> it is, yeah. Thank you. I guess the reason I that occurred to me is like, so you're it's not a huge company, obviously, at this point, personnel wise. So you're able to sort of touch almost everybody, so to speak, communicate with everybody at least somewhat pretty regular yeah in the office and i mean i say that instead of having employees we took a route of uh what we call the licensee program Uh so we trained um you know professional installers everywhere from the east coast to hawaii to florida Hmm. Um, they would come to the office to learn the products and then um and become a preferred installer and and rep in their area so each one of those entities has their own marketing and sales teams um Mm. so it almost like a uh a distributor model where where we created the distributorship within the company and then um and that is our model instead of selling direct we prefer to sell to large distributors mm, okay. uh, and train their sales teams from the top and then we are inheriting in a way all of their sales staff uh and their their retail facing staff that can sell the products that's cool so is that 
is that different from franchising or is it kind of the same? So franchise, you'd have to um, lock in a, they're, they're, it, it varies from state to state, province to province. Mm-hmm. Um, there'd be a physical building location. There would be sure. um, a continuance of the the brand itself. Right. Um, so nobody is weather skin and anywhere else other than here. Um, I see. They might be gyms contracting, but they are the weather skin rep. Gotcha. So it's it's more like sales centers rather than. Uh, and then uh, franchise. Gotcha. Oh, that's really cool. That that seems like a great way to spread your spread your web. Yeah, and and quickly. Quickly. You know, uh, establish some wide North American optics and marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a good way to crack into different markets and see what the product needs are. You know, we get a lot of valuable feedback from that model mm-hmm. um, of of what products are in demand where and. Right. Uh, the variances and building codes and, and challenges with construction. So, and those things can vary quite a bit. <laughs> well, I would say, I mean, I guess whatever coatings are going on buildings here in, in Northern Alberta or we're in Alberta, you're in Calgary. It's probably not what's going down in Florida. Like, are you seeing big shifts in what the best sellers are in regions, different regions? <laughs> well, we've got, uh, we've got like a new Marine line actually right. that our, our, our head sales manager, Cody, he's been down to Florida a couple times in the last two months to the uh, big yacht shows down there. Oh, and um, nice. so, I mean, we're not selling marine coat in, <laughs> in, uh, in, in Calgary, <laughs> but, you know, there there is some carryover. If it, if it performs on, say, seawall and boat halls in, uh, in the cold waters uh, of mm. the shores of BC or out in Newfoundland, mm. Uh, chances are it'll perform very well down there. Right. That's the really cool thing about Calgary as a geographical location is Mm. the Chinooks uh, (laughs) and uh, the diversity of industry that we have here and and things that we can coat. But I mean, nothing, nothing is harsher on anything than, than the Chinook phenomenon, you know, Mm. the, the expansion and contraction and the sudden, change of, of physical shape of objects and then different building materials working against each other as well. Uh, metal will expand differently than wood, than, right. than the gasket that's, you know, that, that's why our doors stick mm. uh, during Chinooks. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, so that kind of abuse on a structure translates directly to whatever's coding it. Uh, so, so if you can perform on structures here and go from, um, you know, plus 10 to minus 20 in over 24 hours or just under 24 hours, mm-hmm. you're going to be, you're going to be performing well anywhere. Wow. No, that's really interesting. I had a friend of mine who just got back from Venice. Now that's a city that basically is built on the water. Yeah. Have you ever thought about, I mean, salt water too. You need a hell of a coating because I guess building upkeep is insane over there. It's like a yearly thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, they're, they work with a lot of different materials versus what we do a lot of stones, lots of plasters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, you know, say Europe is a market, you can't do that. You almost have to go uh, region by region and look at what kind of materials do they use? What are, what are their unique challenges? 
um, and then decipher, hey, is there some crossover uh, right. from what we offer to what, what you guys uh, are lacking? And it goes both ways. You know, we, when these um, indoor cannabis facilities started sure. popping up, the pharmaceutical grade ones had to be built to uh, essentially Health Canada spec. Right. Um, and the common thinking uh, was that we'll just use materials that are, are, are used to build hospitals in these facilities, you okay. know, or, or um, pharmaceutical rooms or clean rooms. Well, the issue that that industry faced right off the bat is hospitals and clean rooms don't have a bunch of indoor moisture right. uh, or temperature shocking that, that is that they run these plants through. Right. Mm. So moisture getting into every penetration, uh, destroying framework of buildings, uh, insulation, you know, having to strip right down to the to the stud again. Damn. Um so instead of looking at those materials that were currently available, we looked at what was the vertical farming industry doing for the last 10 years in Europe. Cool. Right. What they've been growing indoors, uh, fruits and vegetables, but largely the same cycles uh, to treat them and to, to nurture them. <clears throat> so we, we started looking at what are their products and why do they work, you know, and mm -hmm. coatings that replicated glass as much as possible, meaning that, Glass has a very tight pore count. Uh, so if you think about its sure. molecular structure, it's a very tight structure. So very little liquid passes through it, even mm. gas. That's mm. why we contain, um, you know, viruses and everything else or blood samples in, in glass. So it doesn't permeate through it. So the coatings that they were using had very tight cellular structures. Um, the moisture couldn't pass through, and that's what they were using on their interior walls as vapor barriers to prevent mm. moisture damage. So okay. we pulled some coatings from the Mediterranean yacht industry and got that chemistry, brought it over, and it was extremely successful, where, where we were able to kind of lead the charge in um, – advising or, or specifying materials uh, for engineers when they were building these facilities. So you never know where you're going to find a solution, but it's always, you know, look outside the box and, sure. and maybe look outside your own backyard too. That's really cool, man. Did you, so have you been involved, have you, has your product gone into some cannabis growing facilities then? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, it's a, a washable room system that we have. So uh, right now I think I'm allowed to say we're, we're do, working with mint car washes. Um, okay. They are popping up all over Alberta now, and they're pretty big in uh, uh, BC. And then a few of the cannabis facilities, uh, our washable room system mm -hmm. is throughout mostly the grow rooms and the mothering rooms mm -hmm. and anywhere where they need to, to go and wash the walls and have right. a lot of humidity pumped into the rooms. Yeah. Now you mentioned that you're like the raw goods that go into these products. What, what is the raw good? Like, where does it start from? And is that Canadian sourced or, or have you had issues importing what you need? We haven't, uh, you know, we, it can go from, it can be anything from the pail. So metal pails, for instance, there was a shortage here. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, we sourced, uh, so, so we broadened our, our, Horizons and sourced out about six other metal pail providers uh, okay. in North America alone. Um, 
but the the raw goods, the ingredients, we're talking about um, polymers, we're talking about resins, okay. we're talking about bonding agents, um, all of these things uh, are, are either a powder or a liquid, usually a liquid form. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are all active ingredients and a lot of uh, chemistry form- formulations for coatings. Uh, okay. As well, the resins are used in creating you know, bathtubs and mm. um, th- things that you wouldn't uh, necessarily think or depend a lot on resins. Um, so a lot of industries were hurt when the resin resin shortage happened. Right. Um, so we have supply. We have a fairly healthy supply from. Uh, sorry about that. No from problem. Uh, South America and then um, from Eastern Canada and and from the states and from a couple of our strategic partners okay. and uh, and Asia. We we do have ingredients that come from Asia hmm. as well. Yeah, that's, I've always been perplexed by plastic. Like what is the, because these are plastics essentially, is that the right word or it's, or polymer? Like there's mul- poly is, like what is the absolute base of this product? Is it synthesized yeah, so in a lab? There's monomers, you know, that creates plastic and a mm-hmm. polymer is, uh, it's got a lot more flexibility to it. Um, it's a, a tighter, it, it's a better molecular bond. Okay. Um, so if you're, if you take a piece of our product and you stretch it over and over and over again, you don't get that white crease. You don't get that fail like you would on a a rubber band. Sure. Um, so you're not going to have that, the, the, call it, it's like muscle memory. And, um, these polymers are membranes. They're not necessarily paints. Um, so they create at certain thicknesses, they can breathe like, like our skin does right so we we expel moisture yet Mm. yet we're waterproof uh and uh, and we can achieve right we we can achieve a lot of that same function now with these uh comb smart coatings um and that flexibility allows these coatings to um if they can they're they can be an acrylic base have the flexibility of a rubber Mm and be able to handle the expansion, contraction, and movement of, of these building substrates. So that's really the polymer um, formulations are really cutting edge, and they've been around now for, for a few years, but not until I'd say the last 10 years have they perfected them in, in the coatings realm to mm. where um, they really understand the chemists, really understand the science behind them and how they perform and how to blend them. Um, but it allows us to now get the performance of what would typically be a rubber or a, a bitumous base, very flexible product. We can achieve that, or say a silicone product, we can achieve that with a water, an acrylic base. Hmm. And those acrylic bases, meaning, meaning waterborne, uh, they they offer the market a lot less in terms of um, volatile chemicals and and um, hazardous uh, particles that come off while you're applying it, and then the byproduct that leaches off the product, hmm. as well as is a lot less harmful. So, if you think about the process of a coating curing, um, we call that off gassing, right? And uh, so. 
when you're using a water base, uh, that loss in mass is the water being pulled out of the coating and it shrinks a little bit, but that's what you're dealing with is mm. water coming out of it. Now with a solvent, you'd be dealing with something like a xylene or an acetone or something a lot more, um, a lot more harmful to be breathing in, you know, and there's sure. possibly cancer ca causing as well. Um, yeah. Same thing with the high bitumous content uh, products and then the, um, the rubberized solutions, which are often an oil product or byproduct. And so, so that's what you're breathing in while you're shooting it or what is going into the environment while it's curing. Mm -hmm. And what we call that is, um, is the VOCs. So volatile organic compound is anything coming off of it. Then even after it's cured, if something comes in contact with it, it there can be trace amounts of mm. that. Okay. So a food grade coating, it usually it, it doesn't shrink. It dries a hundred percent hard. I mean, it's not losing any mass. Okay. And there's nothing leaching off of it. So it would be a zero VOC coating. Gotcha. Um, and those are the thresholds that keep dropping is, is the VOC content in products. So every time they say, Hey, now instead of 500 grams per liter, we're down to, you can only have 400 grams per liter. Well, a hundred products just disappeared off the market. If hmm. that's where the new building code is. So we try and keep way down at like anywhere from, um, zero to 40, I think is one of the most VLCs that we have in a product. The other, the other hazardous uh, or a term that it, you hear a lot is HAPS. So H-A-P and that's hazardous airborne pollutants. Okay. And that's really what affects people that if, if I spray a room and I'm the sprayer and I'm in there and I'm breathing in the, the off gassing, um, those are the haps. And then also if the client walks through that room and the ventilation wasn't proper, you know, maybe the coating's cured, but those are still airborne. Mm. What is that? And what is going into your system? What are you breathing in? What's sitting on your, your skin surface? Mm -hmm. uh, so that is a, a, a term where the industry has been trying to drop the amount of haps that are in products, which is a challenge. Right, of course, because <laughs> you get your your production going one way, and now suddenly you have to even be even more disciplined. Yes, yeah, that's interesting because I've been I had a chance to do a little bit of work with a company who produces exoskeleton technology for workers that work overhead like that. Yeah, and the one thing I kept hearing was, you know, the the margins in construction are thin. We we do a lot with a little bit. You know, the budget is tight, and so uh, things that are innovative are often sort of well, we don't really have the money for that today. You know, maybe in the future we do. Are you are you seeing? Is there a resistance in your industry to this constant shifting in safety, or is it is it seen as a good thing? We just have to adapt with it, learn to budget for it, or that's a really that's a really good question, and and you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, a lot of new products you might have. Like, I mean, this year I've probably seen 50 really cool, innovative technologies mm -hmm. already. Mm -hmm. um, but until there's the capacity to mass produce those mm -hmm. and um, right. 
and and control that entire supply chain associated with that that um, product that you're delivering to market there's never going to be the um the competitive you're not going to be in the competitive mar- margin hmm. um, when you're standing next to something that's produced for a couple dollars um a gallon now we knew that was going to be a challenge starting off the bat um we procure a lot of high, high-end chemistry right. that maybe was created for one project and performed exceedingly well. Um, but, you know, the price ticket on it was $1,500 for five gallons. Mm-hmm. So we want to, we usually produce it in a large quantity off the bat so that we can drop that price, secure enough for the raw goods so that we can draw that, drop that price so we can make it palatable for the end consumer. Right. And we have to look at where the additional cost savings are too. Um, with our products, we we are we find uh, as a product provider, we are right in a, a nice spot where we're not scaring anybody away with our pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're higher priced than the cheapest product available, <laughs> but um, we also we we can't compete with that. We're we're too. We exceed their quality too much, and uh, it's not even in the same realm. Uh-huh. Um, but the labor, what, the the labor and construction product projects is always the part that gets thinned out. It seems, you mm-hmm. know, if if our market is trying to say, hey, a house is going to cost the exact same amount as it did in the last five years, you know, or maybe there's a five percent fluctuation. Right. Yet uh, materials have experienced a thirty percent fluctuation. Um, who gets cut out of that situation seems to always, unfortunately, be the the labor component, uh, the mm. installers. Um, so what we're seeing right now, and what I think is really going to take off, are these faster build systems. Okay. So. Labor is uh, it's a commodity of time, right? You're you're putting a certain amount of time in to get a job done, and there are tons of new systems like SIP panels uh, being pre-manufactured, and you get a building assembled in a day. Um, 3D printed aspects of housing, um, where the install times are cut down, where I think that. Uh, the laborers are going to, to benefit greatly from those systems and um, the faster that it can be applied, the more money that will be in the market for them as well. Will the laborers get paid more though, is the question. I, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Oh, fair enough. Well, I I would say too, I I had a look at your, at your website and your product line, and I do see sort of your design background and the way you're packaging and and promoting your, your products. So do you find that that attracts you to, or, you know, that attracts your product to a certain kind of client who they don't want the absolute bottom of the barrel garbage. They want something with some, with a perceived quality. Yeah, absolutely. The clients that we're, we deal with are hanging I'd say familiar brands to people, mm-hmm. uh, commercial, industrial, where where that quality is mm-hmm. uh, uh, second to none. Like they they need the performance and uh, the functionality um, over the initial cost, right? It's a long term savings. 
you know, places where they can't afford to shut down operations to redo something twice. Right. Um, those are the clients that depend on our, our coatings to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, we are introducing a few products and after this, um, uh, next growth step, we will be having some more retail facing products. Okay. Um, we have been doing a lot of foundation waterproofing in, um, in Calgary and we are coming in as just as affordable as the, the previous products and performing better. Mm-hmm. So getting into the big housing developments that will be, um, a foot in the door anyway. And, and, uh, and then offering as well, the, uh, the epoxy systems and, um, and our, st- our stucco systems. Mm-hmm. That's it. It strikes me. It, I was almost baffled by how many different products you guys offer. Like maybe they're all chemically similar enough that you can produce them. But, uh, do you ever run into issues with that where it's like, Oh, we're, we're making way too much shit here. So we need to, we need to narrow it down or, or is the width <laughs> is the breadth kind of your strength? I, you know, early on, we looked at um, we looked at the growth models of similar companies uh, okay. in the coding space, and we could break it out. Um, if if you take them apart, you're seeing companies that kind of peak at a, a fifty million valuation, and what they offered was maybe a very specific lineup that um, is focused on just waterproofing mm-hmm. or just, uh, you know, porcelain repair coating, something like that. Um, and then if you looked at the next step up in companies from the hundred million to the billion dollar range, um, they were all, they all had lineups, um, a variety of product offerings, and they all used distributors like the home hardwares, the Cloverdale's, the Sherwin Williams of the world to distribute their products. Mm-hmm. And then you have the uh, this kind of the supply chain controllers, the the billion dollar plus uh, mega brands that have been uh, embedded in the industry for quite some time. They own everything from the mine to the to the retail front. Right. Um, so we wanted to fall in that middle group, and we realized we had to have a a wide product offering. We're not in a climate where we can say we we just produce. Uh, um, roofing and waterproofing coatings because what do you do for the other uh seven months of the year so we knew we wanted to go inside we had done we built such great relationships off of solving the problems with our initial coatings that we thought why don't we we apply this methodology to um floor coatings and finding other solutions to where industry pros started coming to us with their problems and we started finding solutions Hmm. So it was a big undertaking, um, but we want to have a large offering. And uh, within the next six months, people are going to see the uh, the brand change base a little bit in terms of what the, the online presence is. Weatherskin Corporation will be branching off into um, uh, a Meg Finishes uh, okay. sub-brand underneath it that will be wholly owned by Weatherskin. They'll still be Weatherskin Coatings and okay. in, the environmental lineup and um, our disinfectant line, and then probably some a brand focused on uh, concrete additives and um, and uh, enhancers. Okay. So we are 
Yeah. We're constantly growing and building. <laughs> I Okay. Well, that's, that's the answer I was looking for is like, yes, there's a reason we produce a ton of this stuff because <laughs> grow, how else are you going to grow? I guess. Right. You, yeah. Well, we, you know, if, if you stay with one product and you just build your entire company around that competition is going to catch up. Right. Um, it, it, it's, Things are happening too fast uh, these days. You know, there's a lot of people in every industry and everybody's trying to come up with cool solutions, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but your cool solution today is not going to be a cool solution in three years from now. Mm. So it, it, you would have a very short shelf life um, of a company if, if, if we adopted that model, we felt anyway. Um where we always have to be updating and bringing on new ideas and new products um, because that's where the industry and the demand and the, and the wants of the, the people are going. Right on. Are you personally, as they say, off the tools at this point? Like, are you just full on or <laughs> you're laughing? I, 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 I'm going to go somewhere with this, but if you could answer that. <laughs> I wish. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, you know what? I, I think I could be. I'm in a position where I, where I could be, but um, I do take every one of our projects and successes and challenges personally as mm-hmm. well. So I'm still very hands on. Mm-hmm. I really, I really like learning more about what our products can and can't do as well, and right. the best ways to apply them. I mean, when you have a good product, the next series of questions are. Uh, all about how do you put them on mm-hmm. and um, and that's what the contractors will be asking us and if we don't have that knowledge base um, ourselves how do we teach our our co-workers and our and the contractors we work with mm-hmm. and uh, and if you teach them wrong there's a lot of things Oof. that could go wrong so I like to I like to be there in an R&D sense sure even though this weekend I was on a you know on a job site uh, mm-hmm. on the tools just throwing in my hat simply because some of the staff was sick or subcontractors uh, just got out of an operation as well and uh, they weren't able to make it. So mm-hmm. um, that's everybody chips in. So I For need sure. to too. <laughs> well, I don't, I mean, personally, I don't see a way, I don't see a world where that, like for me, I'm in video production and people have said, well, when are you going to stop actually operating the camera and start just, you know, producing, directing? It's like, well, never. Because how am I going to keep, if I stop shooting and then I stop growing in that sense? So, I mean, is that, do you see your career progressing where you're always going to be chipping in at least some way, actually building the thing? I'll always be on, I'll always be on projects, meeting the teams, meeting the installers, walking them through, essentially doing the consulting. Mm -hmm. Um, And absolutely i'll be i'll be tied to it in that way and i'm sure during those processes somebody will throw a sprayer or a paintbrush in my hand along the way <laughs> right um but but i, I i'm not going to be the one doing the job from start to finish any right. longer you gotcha. know we had to 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 get some field real world field tests out there in the first few years mm-hmm. uh, and we need to know our product right? right at the end of the day you need to know um, what it is you're selling and you need to believe in it. Um, I guess you can sell products you don't believe in, but to me, that would be extremely hard. <laughs> uh, that's not why I started this business. Right. I, I was fed up with products I was using doing construction and wanted something better. Mm-hmm. So it would, it would defeat the in, entire, um, 
initial trajectory and point of, of the of starting weather skin if, if we were delivering subpar solutions to people. Well, exactly. Imagine selling a product you didn't believe in. That would be like living in hell, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess because so has that been a personal evolution for you then? Cause I see you had like a background in carpentry and in, in design too. C- could you be doing what you're doing now 20 years ago or whatever? Did you have to have this growth to now I can be the man making the decisions, deciding what oh, products. I could, not, I could not have done that 20 years ago. <laughs> I think, uh, I think I would have believed in myself more 20 years ago to right. be able to do it, but very naively. And it would right. have been a, ego-based, pride-based, you know, of course I can do that. But the reality is um, the skill sets that I've learned in my 20s and through having these different construction entities is uh, patience, you know, these virtues of uh, humility and and having patience and having understanding and problem-solving and confronting situations head-on. and, and being honest with people, I think um, all those things had to be learned and, and a lot of fears had to be overcome in, in dealing with clients and business and um, uh, business partners and employees, right? right? I didn't, I would not have been able to do that. I wouldn't have had, I had to start somewhere and learn how do I want to treat one business partner and how do I want to work with people and how do I want to work with the people around me and, and how do I want to solve problems and how do I end a day not having any regret or um, feeling like I left anything on the table, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) all those things came with time and experience. So, no, I think weather's going to happen when it was supposed to. There you go. Right on. Well, that's all well said. That's interesting. And I think that's it's why it's kind of discouraging when you see somebody else quit in a business venture too soon, maybe, let's say. It's like it is in the grind and in the pushing that – and the patience is a virtue. Oh, yeah. You you really do. <laughs> One thing I really didn't want to be true was it takes the – everybody says it takes that first five years to really uh, – mm. uh, of, of <laughs> you know, fighting tooth and nail to, right. to get through the first five years. It's going to be rough. I didn't want that to be true. I wanted to wanted to be able to fast track that a little bit, maybe right. two years or mm-hmm. three years. But um, you realize pretty quickly that a lot of um, a lot of benchmarks in the industry and for new entrepreneurs are strategically set up to see if an entrepreneurial um, venture is going to even survive five years. Mm. You know, um, a lot of a lot of places, certification boards don't even um, entertain you if you're a new brand or product until you've been in existence for three years, you know, and then it's a three, two, three year process to get that certification. They want to see that you are able to keep your business going, that if they're going to back a brand, that it's going to uh, survive and exist. Right. Um, and that you have a lot of um, real world experience and examples. So there's a lot of proof of concept that needs to come with these kind of products before the government entities, testing facilities, um, financing uh, will even entertain you. So uh, in, in seeing that structure, it, same thing with investment, you know, and, um, and growth, they, they want to see that you can survive the tough times and that, 
people keep buying your product that it's not a um, one and done um, event that <laughs> that there's uh, you got some legs to stand on and so that first five years is actually <laughs> it's a lot more set in stone than I thought it was so mm -hmm. it was uh, you know things got easier around year four and then things really opened up for weather skin um, at that year five a lot of a lot of certifications coming back, a lot of um, industry clout, a lot of uh, bigger opportunity projects. Um, yeah, we, we just, you have to ride the wave and eat macaroni for about three years. <laughs> <laughs> ride the wave and eat macaroni for three years. Yeah. Doesn't sound too bad, I guess, but I, <laughs> what is that? What is that human? Like, why is it that you wanted to fast track those five years into two? Why did you, why did you, why were you so egotistical to think you even could or you should, you know, what is that about us that just, I got to get there. I can get there soon. I can get there quick. I think it's, um, I think it's the, it's backed by the excitement that's an entrepreneur has when they know they have something good. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've tested it you're like this is a solution why doesn't you actually just want everybody to know about it and everybody to try it and um i i could see that you know that uh as being pretty naive now mm -hmm. um because it's not even if it is the best but if patrick has the best product right now for um holding a camera uh mm -hmm. until it's tried tested and proven by and you've jumped through all the hoops, the right. product essentially doesn't exist. <laughs> um, that's what we found out. Huh. With with construction materials anyway, there's so many regulatory bodies that stand in, in your way of um, uh, hitting a retail shelf or, or being on every job site or educating uh, the contractor community. Mm -hmm. But that's where it comes from is, oh man, this is awesome. Everybody, this could help everybody that is building with ICF, that's mm -hmm. building with concrete, you know, less, uh, if people are getting less cancer by using this product, you want to deliver that right away. Right. You know, if, if it's cold applied, so there's less burn victims from hot tar falling on their faces, you want to deliver them this solution right away. Mm. It's, it's an, uh, cause you have something that can change uh, you know, one life or many lives and then maybe have an environmental impact. So you think as an entrepreneur, you feel good about that. And you, you have to ride the, the dream a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you have to have a lot of belief in that, that you, you are doing something positive and that will fuel you through those hurdles and those challenges. And, and, you know, the, uh, the bells pile up, you don't, the, the, the lights go off and, you, and <laughs> it's that belief at the end of the day that will get you through. And then, um, you'll have a core team that believes in you as well that see the vision and they will get you through those times. And then, um, because, uh, everybody else will think you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they will. And so did they? There were some some sideways glances that you're going to do what? Absolutely. Yeah, no, even every stage uh, of growth comes with that. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, what clients are you approaching? You're going to go uh, <laughs> do a job for who? That, that Maybe because they put that, um, you know, that restriction on themselves. 
uh, at some point where it's like uh, people, normal people can't do that. You know, you can't just do, you have to be given that or there has to be something inherently unique uh, about you to, to achieve any success. And I think it's more of a reflection of the individual saying it, you know, and, um, but as critical and negative as some people can be, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs are like overly naive and optimistic mm. because they have to be. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, if, yeah. they, if they weighed down, if they got themselves weighed down by the, um, by the, the weight of some problems or the negativity or the, the criticisms, they wouldn't be able to think of the solution. Um, Interesting. You know, so we're, Weatherskin is entirely solution-based. That's, you know, I don't care. The problem is a problem. That means it already exists. So it exists whether we do something about it or not. The problem exists. Um, The only thing we have control over is how are we going to approach the solution uh, and move forward. That's it. Or do I shut down and and, uh, hide away from my phone and computer and (laughs) turn off the lights and, some days I, I've wanted to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just absolutely. Some days you have to maybe to let that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to work, I used to contract for a guy who ran a marketing agency and he he was an entrepreneur like yourself. And he, I, some people would say you're delusional or you're absolutely, you're actually lying. Like you're you're not telling the truth about the what's going on here. I live in a reality. He says, I live in the reality where this is true and this is happening. Like, he was beyond belief. He was like in another, he was in another universe where what he said was happening was already happening. So it's that kind of insane self-belief that I think that's what drives innovation. You have to believe it has to exist in your mind already that it happened. Yeah. And, and refer to that a lot, you know, that is a, like a morning meditation essentially mm-hmm. of mine and how I spent down the day is, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to be able to, I have a tendency to, Whatever the project is, building this business, I will see it from today all the way into 10 years in advance all at once, you know, all the work that's involved, all the successes, failures, and it, and the, those things can be overwhelming. Um, so then dialing that back into mm-hmm. what are actual things that I could do in the next 24 hours mm-hmm. and just stopping it there, you know, I, there's my path. I might have to wiggle around the path a little bit but i'm still going in the same direction and and, but really i can only do what i can do today and then when it comes to you know when it comes to solving problems like i'm the type of you know i'll get i'll get friends and family will say take a day shut off go get 10 hours of sleep (laughs) but if i'm avoiding a problem for that day off and that 10 hours of sleep i wake up feeling worse than if i actually go put in some action steps to start resolving whatever that issue is i can i can watch 20 minutes of tv and have four hours of sleep and i feel (laughs) extremely good versus it it, the shutting off and trying to uh, ignore what's happening just over here right isn't that crazy how when 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 we feel down or when we feel stressed out, as soon as we start actively projecting some solutions into the future, it's like okay, these are this like this problem can be solved. But if I'm sitting there not putting words to it, it weighs on you. Yeah, 
oh, that's, yeah, sometimes all it takes is just like write the one word problem on the pad and right. just start to just even give it a little bit of mental focus and energy, mm -hmm. right? And, mm -hmm. and then dissect it by the smallest part, you know, who who's involved, what are the details, and maybe in those details, usually if you can look at it, my, my business partner, one of my business partners says, uh, look at it as if you're flying over the forest, not running through the trees. Damn. So when you're running through the trees, you're trying to not hit every tree along the way or trip <laughs> on every stick, and you're only seeing uh, 10 feet in front of you. Right. Uh, and try and, try and take this view of... Uh, flying over the forest that's pretty useful seeing the forest for the trees i guess or whatever yes you, whatever yeah. you, but that's a better way to look at it you're top down yeah that's yeah. cool what is um what is kind of your personal approach or how do you guys work on your on your marketing like what what is it and have you found that really it's just person-to-person -person connection that really gets those results or what do you guys do to get weatherskin out there snowing uh you know, knowing who decision makers are, but um, I'd say knowing the value and even what a lot of people call gatekeepers. You know, mm. you, you phone a business and building a relationship with whoever answers the phone. Um, yeah. Our big marketing approach has always been don't try and sell anything, um, which seems counterintuitive, but... Mm -hmm. What we want to build is is trust. Um, so we we try and communicate knowledge and understanding and education, uh, and we try and find solutions. And if those solutions fall outside of the scope of weather skin, so be it. We try and put the client first. You know what? Nice. Over here, there's this other solution that's going to work better for you. Mm -hmm. um, also, offering we have our sales guys like offer to um review competitive quotes if needed or anything like that to make sure that um nothing is being left out you know so offering the even if they go with a, a different company or contractor we try and protect the consumer hmm. um because you'll get uh, if we go and bid a, an epoxy floor we'll bid a proper system so so a primer to a, to get the adhesion in the concrete grinding hmm. the concrete initially crack filling a base coat to level out the floor broadcast yeah. coat top coat hmm. and you'll get somebody else say I'll, I'll do your floor for uh half the price but they're only going in and pouring acid on it to clean it and then putting one coat on and that floor comes up hmm. um in a year so it's really it's um it's letting people know too about those pitfalls about right. what to let, look out for and um, who, despite who they go go with, here's the proper process. This is the proper things you want to see. And and if you do go with a different product, even uh, here's some products we can recommend that are also good. Hmm. We find that you know, not trying to slam our competitors, but to to empower them where they have good products, but to uh, empower our clients to make choices for themselves, but educated choices. Hmm. Uh, once you go through that process, they they tend to trust you at the end, mm. uh, and nine times out of ten, they do want to go with you because you've been you've you've shot straight with them, you know. And uh, that's really mm. how we build relationships. And knowing how the industry works too is uh, is vital. It, it took 
a while to figure out, you know, who are um, spec writers, who, you know, a lot of people initially think that these big GCs, like the PCLs of the world, right. uh, are who you want to go with. But they're, who you actually want to do is find out who are the engineers and architects that PCL works with in each area. Gotcha. If you want to get your product specified onto their project. And then they're a big general contractor, but they don't do a lot of the hands-on work. Hmm. Um, so they set up the site, but who do they, who's their list of preferred subcontractors? Because a lot of the times those big projects, even if you have the best product and they really like it, hmm. if they're, if three out of their five preferred uh, contractors aren't trained in it, hmm. they won't want to use it. Um, hmm. because they have those relationships built with those guys. They want the two or three of them to be able to bid against each other competitively. Hmm. They also want to know that if one of those entities drops off the map, the other two can go in and repair that application in 10, 15 years. Interesting. So knowing how the, uh, the, the different levels of the industry think and um and what's important to them you know that's a vital question that a lot of people don't ask is hmm. what's important to you guys and what could be better from a, a materials provider um anything that saves them time we have product calculators that they can give us dimensions and we get them back their product quantities like this so hmm. they don't have to have somebody in the office uh that they're paying 30 dollars, 40 dollars an hour <laughs> go through hmm. that project that's really interesting, man. So you you guys sort of offer a concise, not concise, but your product line is wide ranging, but you're sort of the service underneath it is also, you're seeking to sort of fill all the gaps and just be the guy. Yeah, yeah. We want to know what you don't have and what you'd like to see. And see, mm. we love building things here too, right? We're, uh, everybody I think in their own right is creative. So mm. we get guys that just, we have a team that gets so excited about spreadsheets and what they can do. <laughs> they know, you know, the functionality of uh, like shipping calculators and product quantity calculators and pricing calculators. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so we're offering those tools, not keeping them to ourselves in our office, but, right. but offering them to um, distributors to make their lives easy too, mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, and they can adjust them for certain products and, um, anything to make their life easier and save them some money on the back end. That's another place where you can save money working with weather skin is, is, uh, that back end, you know, construction when you're doing the job is one thing when you're bidding the job, mm -hmm. when you're buying the materials, when you're doing up the drawings, when you're getting the permits, when you're paying the guys, when you're putting in the hours to get the job after that job, All right. that back end, it represents half of the business. So if you can, uh, offer solutions there as well mm -hmm. um yes the market likes it right and the market <laughs> and the market rewards it or the universe rewards it or something <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm gonna throw an, an off-speed sinker i don't know if you play baseball i'm gonna throw an off-speed pitch just to wrap it up i before we did this like i imagine like it's your product is a liquid for the most part like it comes as a liquid and you apply it to a surface is it unthinkable that in the future you could have that liquid infused with some sort of, I don't know, nanotechnology where through Google glasses or through artificial technology, I could see something on that painted surface? Or have you thought about what kind of the future of coating might look like? Yeah, it's, uh, 
it's pretty well already there. We have okay. cars that, that can change colors now. Uh, I think projected imagery is not far off. Uh, the nano coatings, there's, um, I mean, we've, we've got all sorts of smart coatings coming out, um, robot applications to do vertical applications where it's essentially a drone going up and down, spraying a coating. Whoa. Uh, so the application side, we could see a lot of really cool, innovative stuff too. Uh, and then if you want to see really cutting edge stuff, the composites that uh, composite materials that they're creating at entities like, like, Airbus or, or NASA, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Synthetics, what they're doing with hemp, uh, fiberglass, and and molding it into coatings so that it can endure uh, going in and out of atmosphere. Right. Uh, right. That's really cool, cutting <laughs> edge, and that that's starting to be where we're going and the direction that we're pointing is is uh, what's ten years down the road. Let's see if we can get into that who's producing it and all the players and build the relationships so. right on so is weather skin for you kind of the the 10 to 15 20 year or is it a lifetime like what do you do you see a next leap for you or is weather skin kind of it for the foreseeable future for you weather skin we did not want to really common um, investment business investment right now is a company that would be built for to be sold in five years or to go public in, right. in five or 10 years, you know, and mm-hmm. um, we wanted to build the foundation really strong so that, you know, optionality is important uh, and public companies are probably the tightest, cleanest run companies. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to build it as if we were a publicly traded company, but we want to build a legacy brand nice. um, that is, uh, within the next five years, um, having some global uh, global impact and entering by 10 years, uh, hopefully in every major global market. And then we can say, hey, we built this out of Calgary, Alberta, and this nice. is, we employ a lot of people and uh, something that we can pass on to hopefully the next generation. So um, definitely a legacy company, which maybe is uh, not... Uh, not a challenge. A lot of people are taking on right now. Right. You know, the, a lot of companies like ours are just hoping to get gobbled up by, by the big 10 top 10 companies. Sure. We're hoping to compete with them. There you go. Well said. Well, I wish you the best of luck in that endeavor. That's, I mean, what more could somebody aim for? <laughs> <It's> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shoot, shoot for the sun and land on the moon. <laughs> sure. So now if, uh, what's the best way to sort of begin the process of working with weather skin? Like if I want to get in touch or I want to learn more. Oh, call email. We have a general email team at weatherskin.com that, uh, gets forwarded off. Uh, we have the website, visit the website, see what we have to offer, but mm-hmm. usually, usually a chat with one of our team. Um, to really, there's a there's a lot to know about coding. So to try and decipher and uh, filter out the stuff you don't need mm-hmm. uh, and what what actually will solve your problem. If you just want to chat about about an issue, just give us a call. That's that's the easiest way. You heard it. Call this man when you need to coat something, anything. This guy can <laughs> coat anything. <laughs> thanks, Brandon, and thanks to your team for reaching out and for setting this up. Oh, hey, thank you, Patrick. We really appreciate it. We appreciate your time. No worries. It's my pleasure. Have a good week. Yeah.
Yeah, we're grateful for you. We I've watched a few of your shows oh, and uh, sorry to hear over that. the weekend and listened to them. And, okay. Uh, no, I think you're doing great things. So thank you for what you're doing in your service, talking to people. It's a awesome form of communication and networking. So good okay. on you. Okay. Hey, I'm glad to hear that, man. My pleasure. I'm glad I'm making a drop in the bucket. I guess that's about all we could do. <laughs> I learned a few things. Well, I appreciate that. Right on. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Thanks, Brandon. Great talking to you, man. You as well. Thank you for listening to the North Bank Media Podcast. Please subscribe on your platform of choice and give us a five-star review. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at North Bank Media Podcast for highlights from past conversations and to be notified of upcoming episodes. Thank you.